Welcome to Two Idiots and a Dog, Idiots Unleashed. Songbirds do not understand how much joy they bring humans by trying to get laid. You know, we're supposed to be working right now. Yeah, but Shower Thoughts subreddit is more entertaining. I'm Grim. Uh, who am I? A pain in my ass. Eh, sounds about right. Kaiju is uh, somewhere around here. Just a quick warning, this is an uncensored podcast. You may hear adult language or other content not suited for children, the workplace, church, or, frankly, human consumption. And this week, our topic is antihero or villain. Uh, that actually would be Grimm's idea. It's the kind of thing an idiot would come up with. If you have an idea for a topic for us, you can let us know on our Discord or social media, but you can only vote in the topic poll on Discord. Now stand back. Because the idiots were unleashed a long time ago. So this actually rose from internet discourse. Shocking, I know. Where I got really fucking tired of people talking about certain specific characters in media. Like the Joker. As antiheroes. And certain other characters in media. I don't know who you have off the top of my head. As villains. And this is factually incorrect on so many levels. So let's start with a couple of basics here. Okay, so what is an antihero? You know, I actually have the Wikipedia entry on that pulled up right this moment. Would you like me to read it? I'm shocked and amazed. An antihero is a main character in a story who may lack conventional heroic qualities and attributes, such as idealism, courage, and morality. Although antiheroes may sometimes perform actions that most of the audience consider to be morally correct, their reasons for doing so may not align with the audience's morality. An antihero typically exhibits one of the dark triad of personality traits, which includes narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. It goes on further um, and kind of then contradicts itself because it doesn't always cover that way. It's... Uh, and that that's the, our first problem is you ask three people to define antihero, you're going to get four definitions of antihero. All right, next part of this is going to be, what is a villain? The villain is not always the antagonist. Correct. Likewise, an antihero may not always be your protagonist. Uh, In fact, this actually does specifically state that uh, regarding the antihero. So typically the antihero is a focal point of of conflict in a story, whether that be as the protagonist or as the the antagonistic force. So... So the main thing we need to bear in mind here is, as we're talking about this throughout this episode is we're actually talking about four literary elements. We're talking about the antihero. We're talking about the villain. We're talking about antagonists. And we're talking about protagonists. Now, those first three get used interchangeably all the time. Stop fucking doing that so your protagonist is generally speaking generally speaking the main character of the story there are times where this main character of a story is actually um a third party who is observing the protagonist but generally speaking it's your main character yeah so uh, honestly in the joker movie the joker is your protagonist he's He's a villain yeah. and an asshole, but he is your protagonist. But that movie also sucks, so we're not going to use that one. 
I was specifically using that to point out that a villain can be a protagonist. Overlord is right there, and it's so much better. What? Check out Homeboy over here who don't watch enough anime. You do realize that you say Overlord, most people are actually going to think about the World War II zombie movie, right? Well, they're wrong. In any event, going back to what you were saying about uh, protagonists not always being the full character. So we've got it's a great example of a protagonist. And my mind just blanked because... Protagonist is not the focal character. No, I had two examples, one for each. One where they are and one where they aren't, and I can only remember the one where they aren't now. Uh, what's the one where they aren't? Moby Dick. Our protagonist is Ishmael, and he's just there to tell the story. The book opens, call me Ishmael. He is our, our protagonist. We're following him throughout the story. He just happens to be telling the story about everybody else on that ship. Most notably, of course, Captain Ahab. And I mean, examples where your protagonist is the focal character, those are practically a dime a dozen. Uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. One of your major protagonists is Frodo. And he is focal character. Wheel of Time. As much as I detest that series. Dresden Files. I mean... Yeah, you cannot tell me for a moment that Harry Dresden is not the protagonist of the Dresden Files. He's totally the antagonist, right? I mean, he is the biggest antagonist of that series because he's his he own worst his enemy. enemy. <laughs> and but yeah, there are there are tons of examples where the protagonist is the focal character, which is why I say that generally speaking, that's the case. Yeah, but it isn't always the case. See, also, you know, Moby Dick. Basically, any any movie or book or story where your perspective character is not in the action, you you get Thirteenth Warrior is a fantastic movie. Our protagonist is Antonio Banderas's character, but that story is not about him. Well, there and there, and what you're saying is you're calling him the protagonist when he's the focal character, but he's not the protagonist. But he is the protagonist. He is, he is the protagonist of his story, but his story is about, I can't remember what the Beowulf standing character's name was, but it wasn't Beowulf. If you didn't know, 13th Warrior is based on the legend of Beowulf. Specifically speaking, it is based off of Michael Crichton's book, Eaters of the Dead, which was his attempt at making an ac a historically accurate version of the story of Beowulf which he then later realized was actually utterly impossible because of how things were recorded in that era. I think I would have preferred a dragon. Anyway, good movie. Another one that... A bad movie, but good movie. ...can be argued for the focal character to not really be specifically the protagonist of the story that's being told is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Max is... Our focal character, kind of a secondary protagonist, but that's Furiosa's story. Yeah, that is very much Furiosa's story. Uh, Hellboy, the first one with uh, Ron Perlman. John T. Myers is our focal character. He's our introduction to the BPRD. But the story is primarily about Abe, Liz, and of course, Hellboy. Yeah. So we've got that. And then, of course, our antagonist is literally the exact opposite of our protagonist. Our antagonist is the one who is, or ones, because there are often multiple, uh, the forces that are 
against our protagonist. So for this one, I'm going to go ahead and tap Overlord again, the anime. For those that know, Overlord is an anime about a – strap in. I'm going to throw a bunch of trope words at you. You're just going to have to come along for the ride. Uh, it is an isekai starring a villain. Uh, basically, player's MMO is shutting down. He stays logged in as his evil villainous character who's a lich. Game gets shut down, and for whatever reason, he doesn't get kicked out and becomes his character, and he and his entire guild hall full of NPC monsters gets transported to a totally different world that kind of sort of follows the rules of the game, but not really. He is the protagonist. An antagonist at one point is the chief warrior of another of, of a rival kingdom who is this good and just and honorable man, but is loyal to his people. And while he at certain points considers the protagonist to be a friend of sorts because he has a heroic alter ego he uses to collect information. When it comes down to it, he go, ends up opposing him when their kingdoms clash, making him, even though he's a hero, an antagonist. So hero does not always mean protagonist. Villain does not always mean antagonist. An anti-hero is like, roll the dice, my guy. <laughs> yeah, an anti-hero, frequently an anti-hero will change depending on the story. An easy example for that is one of the classic examples of anti-hero that's actually pretty well accurate is the Punisher. That's actually what was the genesis of this entire episode idea, by the way, is people kept calling Frank Castle a villain. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Punisher's original introduction, both in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Comics, was as an antagonist. Uh, in the comics, I believe his introduction was being sent to kill Spider-Man, right? I don't know if that was the comics. That was definitely the Fox Marvel-verse cartoons back in the 90s. We met Frank when he went after the bounty on Spider-Man that I think Jay Jonah put out, but I don't remember. And in the MCU and not entirely canon anymore, but hopefully they're remake bringing it back in is he went up against Daredevil, which has also happened in the comics. Yeah. Frank is a man who has a goal that we can kind of sympathize with. And that is, you know, make criminals actually pay, stop crime. The end goal being stop crime. Yeah. Like, totally. And he views the legal system as inherently flawed because, I mean, especially you take any of these comic book superhero worlds and basically every single prison facility meant to hold these villains is a fucking revolving door especially for one of the characters who ends up becoming one of like his primary antagonist kingpin yeah kingpin is of course the main villain for a lot of especially new york based heroes he's the primary villain for daredevil he's the primary villain for spider-man uh one of them spidey has kingpin trumps all Mm, depends on how you define primary, but carry Kingpin on. Kingpin runs New York. That's how I define 
Yeah, but he is. There are villains who are a greater threat to Spider-Man. I didn't say greater threat. I said primary antagonist. Those things are not the same. And of course, that does make Kingpin also sometimes an interesting character because Kingpin runs New York. Which means his interests do not always run counter to the interests of the heroes he regularly fights. Yeah, because if there is no New York, there is no New York for Kingpin to run. Now, make no mistake. He is no anti-hero. He is a straight up villain. But he also does bring a semblance of order to the crime within New York City. Especially the MCU version of him. Yes. So he's a complex villain, a complicated villain, a layered villain, and that's the best kind of villain. But he is definitely a villain. There are times he has set aside his villainous ambition in order to make sure that, as you pointed out, he still has a city to run. Kind of important little detail that. Yeah, it's 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 the classic. I keep my stuff there. Yeah, he's thrown his resources up against the likes of Dr. Doom. Uh, there have been times where he's worked with and against half of Spidey's rogues gallery. It, it really all depends. There is like one guy he just straight up refuses to work with, if at all possible, and that's Osborne. He fucking hates Osborne. And with good reason, Osborne's an asshole. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, is a crime boss and a villain. Frank uses Less than heroic means. But at the end of the day, his primary motivations and what he is working towards and the fact that he has a certain code means he is the archetypal antihero. He is not a good person and his methods aren't good, but what he's working towards can be. And... That can also describe some villains, sure, but there's always going to be lines. Yeah, and one of the things that kind of sets Frank Castle apart from some of the villains who are comparable is more often than not, the villains who are in that position, the villains who are basically rooting out corruption – They are doing it ultimately for personal gain. They are either seeking to rule or they're benefiting financially from it. Frank Castle is the kind of person who, let's say he achieves his goal. He eliminates every criminal out there. There's only two final outcomes. Well, I guess three. First option, the tragic sacrifice. He goes down taking down the last criminal in the world or whatever and dies with them. Option two, he turns himself in. His work is done. Option three, he fades away completely to some tiny hut in some nowhere place and is never heard from again. Option four, he saves his last bullet for himself. Well, I consider that rolled under option one personally. There is a difference, though, between the heroic sacrifice, dying, killing the last one, and going, my work is done, and ending it. Well, it really kind of depends, because it depends on how he takes out that last guy. 
if he takes does, does a suicide vest. True. So you know, it's I, I would consider that at most a subset of option one, depending on circumstance. And honestly, I think one or two is the most likely options for him. Because there is a point in Civil War comics, not movie, where there's a conversation regarding him and Captain America because he I brought I think I brought this up in a previous episode before. Uh, a couple of villains join up the underground headed by Cap because they are against registration, and Frank wastes them. And Steve just beats the tar out of him in front of all and sundry, and Frank doesn't lift a finger to, st- to defend himself. And somebody comments on it. And it's like, hey, why didn't he? Why did he just take it, dude? Are you kidding? Same guy, different war. And even more importantly, Frank Castle fucking idolizes Steve Rogers. Yeah. So in many ways, he is a dark reflection of Steve. He's the version of Steve that's an anti-hero because Vietnam broke him or Gulf War broke him, depending on your continuity. They keep rebooting it and moving the war up. Point is, the wars that Frank would have fought, regardless of which iteration of the timeline we're dealing with, was a very different war from the war that Steve fought, and it broke him a little bit inside, as it did many of our veterans, by the way. And ultimately, he still has that same honor code baked into him. The, the exact tenets of the code are different from, like, say, Steve's. But the fact of the matter is, let me look at Steve. Once Steve realized the – let's go back to Civil War. Once Steve realized the full collateral that this little Civil War – anti-registration war was causing, he surrendered. He was done. So it is very likely that if Frank ever actually finishes his task, which is, of course, never going to happen because that's impossible, even in fiction, he would turn himself in and face whatever the system he doesn't believe in decides to throw at him as punishment. Kingpin completes his goal. He's just going to look to expand or make more money or start exerting more power over something else. Yeah. If Kingpin has complete control over New York, okay, well, how about the United States? Well, then how about the world? How about the solar system? I mean, let's take, let's, let's switch uh, comics for a moment. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has been the president of the United States. He keeps moving his own goalposts, even with Superman screwing his plans up all the time. Like, yeah. So it's it's one of those things like we could sit here and read you, you know, Webster's definition of the two terms till we're blue in the face, but it won't mean anything, which is why, of course, we're pulling these examples out. Uh, Dr. Doom has gone from trying to ensure that his nation of Latvia is secure and uh, blah, 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 to being God of the multiverse. And I think that might be one of the things that, that kind of, I'm not going to say it's a hard rule or anything. This is just me kind of thinking out loud here. One of the main differences is, is an antihero has a set parameter, but a villain will always crave more power. Their goalpost will always move. Uh, and you see this in lots of different media, even with villains that are the, you know, 
righteous villain archetype where it starts as one thing, you know, oh, we have to make sure everything is safe. And then it just, the goalpost keeps sliding until you wind up with Judge Dredd, basically. Then now, okay, Judge Dredd, where does he fall? By modern standards, I would say he fits more in the anti-hero category. Because within the confines of his own world, he's a hero. Yeah, within the confines of his world, he is definitely a hero. Within the confines of his own world, he is the ideal archetypal judge that all other judges should aspire to be. Yeah. But that world is fucked. (laughs) And also the thing with Judge Dredd is he is a good judge. Genuinely. He obeys the letter of the law and he holds judges to a higher standard than he holds anyone else. And the thing of it is, everybody's like, Judge Dredd, oh, he passed a sentence and immediately heals you. No, half the time he's locking you up in ISO cubes. Yeah. It, but the problem is, so many of these guys he corners and starts sentencing to ISO cubes, they pull a gun, and at which point, well, now you assaulted a judge. Guess what? That is an execution sentence. Sorry. Not sorry. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, by the way. Like I said, that world is fucked. Um, it was that whole world is written to be a, a hyperbolic satire of the dystopic authoritarian police state. Specifically, the American authoritarian police state. Don't look outside your windows too long. You might find that in some ways, that world's actually better than what we're currently dealing with. There's a certain phrase that comes to mind that I shan't say on this episode, but I am thinking it very loudly. Anyway, moving on. Here's one that we've disagreed on before, and I'm wondering if we still do, because this could prove really interesting. The operative from Serenity. (sighs) Definitely antagonist. No question about that. But I say he's anti-hero. The problem with the operative and characters like that is it's really hard to pin them down because they are doing what they believe is right. And oftentimes they are working for the legitimate government of their, or the legitimate rulers of their nation. But what we see them do tends to be honestly kind of evil. I, I can't really put him as either, I don't think. One sequence puts him into anti-hero for me. I don't want to live there, Mel. I'm a monster. I don't belong there. But he's such a complex character that you're right. Uh, arguments can be made for either. And, and here's the thing. You tell that story from a different perspective. Arguments can be made for him being a hero. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that can get really messy because let's delve a little bit further into Serenity and Firefly. That world is fucked. What are the crews? What, what is the crew of Serenity? Oh, are, they're absolutely criminals. Absolutely. Smuggling, uh, killing, all sorts of shady stuff on the outer edge of the system. There are, I mean, they're not bad guys, but are they good guys? 
Within the confines of the universe, which they have found themselves trapped in, they're about as good as it gets. By our standards, eh, strong hand waggle. I mean, considering that Zoe and Mal were basically terrorists. Nah, they were fighting for independence. They lost. Ergo, basically terrorists. History is written by the victors. That's the thing, is history is written by the winner. So, also, I mean, take Star Wars. The Rebellion, until they won, were terrorists. And then once they won, oh, they're freedom fighters. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I find compelling about Anakin Skywalker. At different points in his journey, he is all of the above. Yeah. He starts off trying to be a hero, like the Jedi out of stories, and rapidly begins to realize that that's just not realistic. Especially not during the Clone Wars. And there are several points, both before and during the Clone Wars, where he is very firmly in what I would call the anti-hero category. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of soldiers will find themselves in that category. And it's not through any fault of their own. That's war. You cannot be a good guy in war. I'm sorry. A good man in war is a dead man. And there are plenty of people who are willing to die for their principles in war and... You know what? That's up on them, but it's not going to win any battles. And then, of course, he ultimately winds up the villain. It's and everybody's going to sit there and, and focus on that last part. But you have to look at the whole picture. He was more than just a villain. And bringing everything back around here, there really is this difference between villain, anti-hero, and antagonist. We've, we've brought up protagonist and hero as terms a couple of times, but those three are kind of the focus of this whole idea, right? Because so many people conflate them, and that's not accurate. Another thing that's, a, that's really important to note is that if a hero sometimes you know, does thing that might do something that is arguably a wrong or evil action or working outside of the realms of law that does not inherently make them an anti-hero. I mean, that just sends us down the discussion of legality versus morality. And, and I don't think we have enough time for that. Well, Take Batman as an, as an example. There are a lot of aspects about Batman that what some might try to argue are an, would make him an anti-hero. But there's also several aspects about him that keep him firmly in the hero category. He has lines, hard lines. One of the big ones being he doesn't kill people. Oftentimes to detriment I'm not saying he should be capping every guy in his rogues gallery, but there is a particular one who should be six feet under and stay there. Yeah. How, how many lives would he save if he killed the Joker? But if he did kill the Joker, would he still be a hero? That's the conundrum. And that is a really, I mean. I mean, that could be its own debate, really. Yeah, because can a hero 
at which point you have to like define the world in which you're applying the the term hero. The DC multiverse, most of the heroes don't kill. Are, are there any of the this is decidedly a hero characters in DC that kill? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, most of the ones that are any of them I can think of that will kill tend to get more categorized as anti-hero or even villain. Wonder Woman is the only one who doesn't have a code against killing that I can think of. But she still doesn't usually do that. But she's definitely used it as leverage in situations before. Uh, there's a, one comic in particular I don't recall. She goes up against a bank robber and he's got a gun and she's protecting somebody. So he gets a shot in and he like dings her shoulder and she starts bleeding and he starts laughing that she's not like a real hero or, or like Superman, blah, 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 blah. And as she's stalking towards him, cause he's too busy gloating to realize he fucked up. Uh, she says something to the effect of, well, you do know what Superman has that I don't a code against killing <laughs> and just wrecks the guy. There are, in fact, there are some continuities where when Diana first shows up as Wonder Woman, she is very aggressive and has to be kind of tempered a little bit by her interactions with uh, Clark and Bruce. They have to just kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how our world works. <laughs> we don't do that here. Pretty much. Yeah, because you go Marvel and there are a few of the heroes that don't necessarily have compunctions against killing yeah but it's also going to depend on what continuity mcu <laughs> their body count is how long now granted how many of the kills we see or how many of the, the, the villain deaths we see are directly at the hands of the hero the battle for new york just because nah, they're not human. human oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Speciesist. <laughs> now, and here's the question: You throw Superman into that fight, is he not going to kill them? Because, well, see, that's just it. Depending on continuity, yes or no. New Fifty Two continuity: The Justice League were killing parademons left, right, and center when Darkseid attacked, and I'm just—I spent those whole comics going. <sighs> kind of wincing a little bit because i mean new continuity and all but yikes that's really out of character for some of them new continuity who dis pretty much and then they reboot it again so none of that matters new continuity who dis actually i think they've rebooted twice since then new cotton new continuity who am i nobody even knows anymore pretty much yeah, like a lot of the characterizations have been lost repeatedly. They've been rebooted. This is one of the problems with comics in general, but that's a whole different discussion. No, no. That is a, a problem with the big two comics in general. It's not just the big two. Uh, 90% yes, it's the big two. Yeah, but that's because the big two also take up 90% of the market. Only by sales sheer volume of crap that they regurgitate and spew out. Um, the big two are actually about 50% of the market by volume. Comic book nerd. Comics in particular, the reason comics have dominated this conversation, by the way, is because these terms come up a lot in comics. 
antihero, villain, hero. I mean, it's baked into the superhero genre. Yeah. And we'll occasionally have movies that are arguably about an antihero or about a villain or whatever. But when John Constantine got started, he was pure antihero. They've tried to clean him up a little bit to make him more mainstream consumable. But the man sacrificed one of his own friends in order to bind and destroy a demon. That is not a hero. Yeah. But by that same token, he's not a villain either because he's not out to accumulate personal power or the current iteration of him where he's trying to redeem his soul or whatever to avoid hell is honestly what's placed him on a more heroic path. Still kind of selfish, but it means he's doing a whole lot of good things. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of another. Old school John Constantine was a bastard. I think it's this kind of actually an interesting way to point out the two primary ways a character can be an antihero. And Constantine has been both of them. Yeah. You could have somebody who is doing good, heroic-ish deeds, but for entirely self-serving reasons. Or you can have somebody doing just utterly bastard dog shit things for the most altruistic reasons you can imagine. Where they are genuinely function- doing things for the greater good. The greater good. Wrong movie. Now, villains can do the same thing, of course. But again, like I said, that's where I think the main difference is sliding goalposts. Yeah. Oftentimes, when a villain has the greater good mentality – they're, to them, the greater good is them or someone of their choosing in charge. You know, it's the, I am going to eliminate all of the corruption and I'm going to rule so we don't have corruption. Yeah. Or they take it too far uh, where you've got, you know, the the righteous villain who's purging corruption and decides that the only way to do that is to basically nuke the city or whatever they go to. I mean, Rachel Ghoul is a prime example of this where in his DNA is, is the elements of an antihero, but because he, he takes it so far raising entire cities in order to purge their corruption, he's firmly in the villain camp. I have an even better example. Hmm. Injustice Timeline Superman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're not familiar with Injustice Timeline, basically what happens is Joker kills Lois Lane and also Jimmy Olsen, if I recall right. Mm. And Clark's unborn child. That just sets Superman over the edge, and he just basically sits there and goes, I am a god. I am going to keep anything like this from ever happening again. He he straight up murders the Joker. Just doesn't he like punch his heart out or something? I don't remember what he does to Joker. And depending, by the way, there's multiple injustice continuities because there's video game and comics now. There's also a couple of AU comics. It's it's complicated, but basically depending on which continuity it's either 
I think in the comics, he takes it even further where he tricks Superman into killing Lois himself. And something or other, when her heart stops, it sets off a nuke in Metropolis on top of it. Like, it's fucked what he does. I'm getting, probably getting some of these details wrong, but like, that's the, that's the gist of it. Like, it's so much worse than just kills them. He made Clark kill them himself. What it boils down to is shit went so tits up that Superman went fucking fascist. Full villain. When I say full villain, a lot of the other heroes fall in line and come on board. Some of the villains, too, by the way, throw in with with, uh, his group. Because, I mean, what's the other option? Getting locked up? Getting killed? No, thank you. They start murking a whole lot of people that probably should just be locked up. When Shazam starts questioning it, Superman just straight up murders him. Just grabs him by the throat and lasers him through the head. It's, and then, you know, at at some point, main continuity Superman finds out and he's horrified because he looks at it and he goes, yeah, I see the sequence of events. That could be me. And I can never allow that to happen. I can never become that. Yeah, the the injustice Superman is he is a straight up villain. No, no dancing around it. Antihero. And it's fully started out from the position of saving the world. Again, sliding goalposts. I I don't think this is going to be a hard and fast rule, but it sure is uh, one that's. applying to every every example we've come up with so far like all of the really like main villain villains it's sliding goalposts it starts off as one thing and if they are allowed to succeed it snowballs out whereas a lot of anti-heroes i mean there's a lot of anti-heroes that their primary motivation is just i want to live yeah there are there are a lot of anti-hero type characters who if they could get out of the situation they are in, they'd just go home. I mean, there, so there's an argument to be made against this example, but Max Payne. Reference goes over my head. I know it's a video game, but that's about all I know of it. Yeah. So in the video games, Max keeps finding himself in situations where he's mowing through like just fucking rooms of dudes. And by the time of the third game, Everything's got that noir tone to it. So he's already going into this like tired and just wanting it to kind of stop. But the first game, he's trying to investigate the drug that caused the death of his wife and child. The, the second game, he's dealing with the basically the ramifications of the first game. And then the third game, he's washed out, burnt out, popping pills, drinking all the time. And gets caught up in in events that are completely have nothing to do with him other than the people he was hired by are targeted by stuff. I mean, it's just this series of events where it's just like it starts off with him having a real goal and then it's just. <sighs> I've got another example for that. Amusingly, also Max. Mad Max. Yeah. Starts out for, for revenge. 
And once he gets that, he wants to just, he just wants to live. He just wants to exist in that wasteland and mind his own fucking business. And he never gets to. He just gets roped into things. And a little bit of that is because you still see that just inkling of a heart in Max every now and then. He's still human. You can see that in a lot of anti-hero archetypes, by the way. I mean, uh, Bioshock Infinite's main character, Booker DeWitt, is a violent motherfucker. And I would firmly put him in the anti-hero camp as a protagonist personally. But he's still wrestling with his demons the whole time and recognizes that he's not a good person, but he's trying. He, he, he doesn't want to be completely a bad person. And his journey through Bioshock Infinite is reflective of that. A lot of these characters, these anti-hero or anti-hero adjacent characters, a lot of them are just trying to get by. Yeah, a lot of them are either trying to get by or trying to just solve a problem. And if they can get that done, you know, they just want to settle down somewhere or they just want to even just stop existing. Because they realize there's no place for them them in the world that they're trying to create. And so you get a lot of discussion, like I said, about this. That's what sparked all of this discussion on the internet. You know, this this back and forth debate between, you know, heroes versus villains versus anti-heroes, protagonists versus antagonists, so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, what you have to acknowledge is it's a sliding scale. And any one of these characters that we just talked about, if they have one good day or one bad day, there's a non-zero chance that they'll actually slide on that scale into a different category. Not all of them, but some of them could. It's very easy for a hero to slide into anti-hero or even all the way down to villain. It's easy for a villain to either transition to anti-hero or even go into full hero. You look at how often Magneto changes sides. I mean, one I want to build off of is from an example you gave way earlier in this episode. Uh, we're gonna. I'd like to take a brief journey back to Drosen Files. Marcone? Gentleman Johnny. We learn his motivations at one point for basically seizing control of, of the crime in Chicago. It's a hell of a motivation. He wanted to civilize the crime because it was getting out of control. Too many innocent people were getting hurt or killed, crippled, maimed, left in a coma, like a certain little little girl. And because of that, there are plenty of points where he's not really the antagonist, and he's not even really the villain. John Marcone will absolutely turn to Dresden and go, I need your help with this because something is threatening this city. Uh, another great example is Xanatos. He is the archetypal I must own everything villain. That is from the cartoon Gargoyles, if you don't recognize the name. If you don't recognize the game, go name, go 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 watch that show because Xanatos is a masterclass in the mastermind villain. Yeah. And Jonathan Frakes did an amazing job playing him, by the way. Yes, that Jonathan Frakes, Riker from Star Trek. 
voiced this character and did it with such an amazing level of charisma and like just listening to the character talk, you would follow him into the depths of hell. Yeah. But he is also, he is a very human villain and he respects his enemies. There are times where he has straight up gone to them and said, I need your help. Just up front, no, no ploy, no manipulation, no, I'll move this pawn. Don't get me wrong. He does that. He is a master manipulator. Like for a long time on the internet, there was a term known as the Xanatos Gambit named for this character where every single part of the plan had so many auxiliary components to the plan that no matter what happened, it was next to impossible for the villain not to advance their agenda in some fashion. So basically, he does what people think that Emperor Palpatine does. Pretty much. But there are points where he'll put all of those plans and schemes and machinations aside, and he will straight up walk up to them and go, I need something. And he knows them well enough to know when he can do that. For example, there was one time where his wife got hit with like a cursed amulet or something, and he needed their help. And he just walked up to them and went, I need your help. It's my wife. At the end of that was a great scene because Goliath just looked at him and said, now I know you have a weakness. Mm -hmm. It's just this brutal thing for a character like that to say to their villain. Which is great because Goliath and Xanatoth both know he'll never exploit it either, but he knows it exists. And that's the victory. That's the win condition in that scenario. Not that he'll ever exploit it because he wouldn't. He won't. That's not the character Goliath is. He is a hero hero. As a matter of fact, the only time Goliath went off the rails, he was being corrupted by a magic artifact. The other thing that's really worth pointing out with Xanatos, and it's a little tiny bit off topic, but his wife was not a marriage of convenience or progressing power. No, they actually genuinely fell in love and cared about each other. And they respected each other. They were equals. Yeah. This wasn't a, oh, well, you know, she's my second. She No, she was his equal, and he straight up said as much. And it's important to note that she was also a villain of theirs. And he still knew that if he asked, they'd save her. And they did. Well, also because in part, you know... That was also saving other people because that's what the curse did. But yeah, basically, it turned her into a werewolf type creature, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking a different episode. I'm thinking the one where everybody got turned to stone because she got hit by that too. Yeah. No, there's been multiple ver- times where he's reached out and just been like, I need your help. Um, Xanatos is a villain, straight up. Villain, villain, villain. But when the circumstances are right, he shifts to anti-hero. There's even been a few points where, remarkably, he played the role of savior and hero. I guess what I'm getting at here is that the the more complex and well-developed your character is, the less they stay in that box. Yeah. Uh, Fisk has changed sides a few times. Even Doom has changed sides a few times. Doctor Doom. Xanatos. Magneto. These long-standing complex characters who aren't just a one-note, mwahaha, I am evil. Yeah. 
some of the modern incarnations of uh, Doctor Octopus have been just phenomenal in that regard. You know, rebranding him into this like tragic fallen mentor to Spider-Man thing. Um, Most recently, I think was the Insomniac Spider-Man video game, which it was really well done. I don't know. At this point, we could just keep rambling forever. I think we could, but we can't because I need to go finish dinner. Nah, you need to finish dinner. Don't worry about that. All right. In closing, I just want to say it really is a sliding scale, but we still can't use the terms interchangeably because they are different things. Even if a single character can hit those same points at different spots on their on their personal journey. So Frank Castle is not a villain. He's an antihero. The Joker is not an antihero. He's a villain straight up. If you ever need an example of the most archetypal villain who is a villain and cannot be anything but a villain, you point at fucking Joker. Like the only continuities where it's even been remotely close were the continuities where he developed the Jack Napier personality and was actually trying to be a good person and just through whatever keeps reverting into the Joker persona. Joker by himself as Joker without external influence or I hate using this term because yeah, but it's such a trope in fiction split personality or whatever. He's villain straight up existing within a vacuum without any external influences whatsoever. Joker is a villain period full stop. And that will never change. The only time he's, like I said, it's either when he had that development or a worse villain shows up and off the top of my head, the only ones I can think of are Nazis. That's right. The Joker hates Nazis. If the Joker hates Nazis. Well, anyway, we won't get into all of that. That's it for this week. If you like what we do, please give us a like, follow rating and all of that nonsense on your favorite podcatcher. You can also support us on Patreon for special bonus content and episodes a week early or tip us on Kofi. You can find those and our social media platforms and Discord server in the show notes. Last but certainly not least, we want to give a quick shout out to all of our supporters on Patreon and Kofi, especially these idiots. Random Warrior, Rain, and the perpetually banned Athen Mortis. You know what you did?